Well, hey, Podrishner, this is Zach Daniel here. I'm the lead pastor at Annie McDonald's. I love that Podrishner title, don't you? Uh, I'm here with my buddy, Jeremy West. Jeremy, amongst other things, oversees our School of Transformation. Jeremy, tell everybody hello. What's up, everybody? What's up, Jeremy? Hey, before we get into the message today, which is part three in our series on parenting, I wanted to uh, have Jeremy share with you guys a little bit about the School of Transformation. It's getting started or, or launching up again for the fall. And I'm really excited about this year's class and what's going on. So Jeremy, fill us in a little bit on the School of Transformation, what you guys are doing this fall. Yeah, man. So we're making some big changes. Uh, I guess sort of big. The school, huge, epic changes. Huge, huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> um, in the years past, we had a year-long school. And uh, this year, just after prayer and discussion and getting feedback from students, we decided to um, break the school up into two parts. So part one is the School of Transformation. Part two is the School of Ministry. And so we're kicking up with the School of Transformation this fall. And it's going to be super exciting, kind of same rhythm, meeting on Sunday nights and then uh, various things during the week. But really the goal of the School of Transformation and the vision for it is to help um, people develop uh, in their walk with Jesus and to um, walk out spiritual practices that help really position us for transformation and to grow deep in our faith and to learn really what it means to follow Jesus in an everyday context uh, of working a job, uh, parenting kids, being married, all of that stuff. And so super excited about getting to walk with people um, and helping people um, follow Jesus in their everyday context. There we go. And we believe that transform people, transform cities. So if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I've always wanted to be a part of something like that. Our next round of this uh, school will start in January and you can be on the lookout to be a part. With that as a backdrop, we're going to jump into part three of our series called Arrows. We're focusing on uh, doing healthy relationships and in particular, parenting. We'll see you guys after the message. Well, welcome to Antioch today. My name is Zach Daniel. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm excited you're with us today. We're in the middle of a study where we've been talking about some really important questions that are, are for all of us. I want to review those things with you before we jump in today. We've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about family, marriage, parenting, and we've seen for all of us, whatever stage of life that you're in, that one of the defining issues of your life and mine, one of the defining issues of our church family, one of the defining issues of our city and our nation is the type of relationships that we build. Will we build healthy, long-lasting, vibrant relationships that are marked by intimacy, that are marked by deep friendship? Or will we build relationships that are, that are distant, that are divided, that are divisive? What will the relationships of your life and mine look like? And what, if anything, does God have to do with it? That's what we've been talking about. That's what we've been looking at. Over the last several weeks, we've been seeing that God has a good, wise, and loving plan for relationships. That God has a good, wise, and loving plan for family and for marriage and for parenting. And, and we've been learning about that. But not if we've just been learning about it at a, at a head level. 
kind of a, a greater understanding. But we've been getting encouraged to pursue whatever season that you're in to pursue that good, wise, and loving plan for you. And not just to have vision and passion, but to get some equipping, some tools to help build those type of relationships. So if this is your first week with us, these talks fit together like Legos where they go together. So you might need to go back and get caught up. You might, you might be like, ah, I missed a, a part that he's talking about here. But I really believe this will build you up and help you in a really important issue, a really important area of all of our lives. We've been learning in this that for many, if not all of us, the area of family is one of the primary areas where we have an opportunity to build these type of healthy relationships with our moms, with our dads, with our grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, spouse, stepmom, stepdad, kids, stepkids. I mean, we've got a lot of family configurations in the church, and you probably have a lot of, uh, you know, everyone's family tree might look a little bit different, but this is one of the arenas of life, one of the gardens of life, one of the theaters of life where we have the opportunity to build meaningful relationships or we have the opportunity to experience kind of the that distance, division, and divisiveness. And so we've been going to God's word and learning together. We've been in Psalm 127, and that's where we're going to be today, again, to learn and to understand God's plan for us, that he doesn't leave us on our own to just try and figure it out and do the best that we know how to do. But like a loving father, he steps in and he teaches us and he trains us. And it's really uh, astounding. It's amazing. It's encouraging. We've been learning about that. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 127, verse 4. That's going to be our starting point today, our scripture that we start looking at this. We we, we focused on this last week. We're going to look at it again today. And the primary primary topic that we're going to speak about today is in the area of disciplining our children. Now, you may be like, I don't have a kid, Zach. I don't see that, you know, in the, at least the near future. So I don't know how this connects to, to me. Well, I imagine this is actually going to be very healing for you because we've all been affected by the discipline or lack thereof that our parents gave us. Some of you are thinking about, you know, I want to have kids and this is going to be prep for what that is going to look like. You can get kind of ready for where you think you're going in life. Some of you have children, and you know that this is one of the most challenging issues, one of the more challenging aspects of being a parent that we can all use help with, me included. So I'm thankful that God gives us instruction and teaching to help us regardless of where we are. Psalm 127 verse 4 says this, Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And this passage comes and it builds an image for us uh, about life and about family and about God's plan for our family that our kids have a purpose and a point. It gives us vision, right? And I want to hold this arrow up to you. We looked at it last week. When you think about children being like arrows, what does it make you think? It makes me as a dad of three, soon to be four, my wife is due with our fourth this week. It makes me think, wow, my parenting has a purpose and a point. That my kids, it's more than just making it through the day. It's more than just, you know, can my kids turn out okay? Can we have a family that kind of enjoys each other? Uh, it, it lets me see that God has bigger plans for my kids, right? That they're like arrows. They're meant to be launched 
into a purpose and a destiny. And it starts to motivate me and it starts to inspire me. I don't know what it does for you. Interesting thing about arrows is if they're bent a little bit or the feathers are torn a little bit or they're just off a little bit that they won't fire to the target that they're meant for. And so arrows are made with careful craftsmanship. It's amazing to me to think about as a parent that I have the opportunity to carefully craft my children for their purposes in God. That begins just to open up all these uh, ideas and and thoughts and, and inspiration around parenting. But when it comes to the how, like what do we do, like how does that happen, that's, that's a pretty challenging place, right? It's one thing to have an idea and to be inspired, but it's another thing to be like, how do I actually do that? And so last week we saw the starting point for us in God's good, wise, and loving plan actually doesn't start with you or with me. It starts with God. That in the gospel, Jesus has brought us into God's forever family. That the God of the universe, the creator God, the God of the Bible, the God that created you and me is a father. And he's not just any father, he's a remarkably good father. And in Jesus, he's brought us into relationship with him, into his family. And that our parenting, our fathering, our mothering is to find its shape, find its contours, find its strength, find its vision out of the way that God the Father has parented us. And we saw that that relationship is marked by love, that God deeply loves us, that every person in this room, that you are deeply, deeply loved by God. That's really good news. And that out of the depth of that love, out of the depth of our relationship with God the Father, then we see as parents the way that we are to parent our children, that it's inherently relational, that it's inherently marked by love for our kids, that we're building healthy relationships with our kids. Today, we're going to see an additional aspect of what that love, what God the Father's love for us looks like and how that can mark and shape our parenting, particularly around discipline. So let's turn from 127.4 to the New Testament to Hebrews 12. No scripture in the Bible stands alone. They're interconnected. They're telling a larger story. If you're new to the Bible, Right, This is a a complete story from beginning to end. It's not a series or collection of like fortune cookie type, you know, um, proverbs, right? It's a story. It's a vision. It's what God is, who God is and what he's doing. And so we're going to look at Hebrews 12, talking about these same issues. Now, the author of Hebrews is writing to a group of discouraged Christians. They're believers, but they're discouraged. They're deflated. They're, They're despondent. Things are hard in life. If you're a parent, this applies to you. Uh, You have been, you experienced hard days. And if you've not, right, either you're not a parent or you're a Martian and you're lying to all of us. So the author is writing to these discouraged Christians and he's talking to them about some of the things that they've been going through, some of the trials, some of the difficulties they've been going through. And he sheds an interesting perspective or a way to look at those difficult things. Hebrews 12, 5 says this, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, 
nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises everyone whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he, being God, disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. What do we see here? We see this author writing to these Christians and sharing with them a new perspective for looking at the difficulties that they've been going through. And what he's saying is that because God loves them, God is disciplining them. God is shaping them. God is molding them. It's not just that our kids are arrows, but that we're arrows. And that God as a loving father is investing in them, is shaping and molding them to be launched into the people that they were made to be, to be launched into the purposes that which God has for them. It's really interesting to think that God loves us that much. It's really interesting to think that God looks at you and cares about you that much that he would discipline you and me, that he would shape us. And we learn something about discipline or godly discipline or the way God the Father is through this passage of Scripture that I want to make sure that you see. And then I want to talk about how that shapes our parenting. Number one, it's based in love. God's discipline as our Heavenly Father is based or motivated out of love. Look in verse 6. It says, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. So discipline from a parent flows from a place of love. It's not that God disciplines us so we'll get our act together that then he would love us. It's that God loves us And out of his love, he disciplines us. That's a really interesting perspective, a really fundamental shift that we need to realize uh, about discipline. Because I realize in a room this size, you've come from a wide variety of families, and the discipline or lack thereof may have been motivated by love, may have not been motivated by love. I don't know. But when we start talking about our Heavenly Father, I want you to know that when he disciplines you, it's motivated out of love. God is for you. Proverbs 13, 24 is really challenging to me as a dad because I realize my discipline, the way that I think about my three kids is I discipline out of convenience. And what I mean by that is I want things to be convenient. So if my kids will not uh, uh, pester me very much, if they won't fight with one another to where it kind of ruins my Sunday afternoon, if they won't disrespect their mom, then we're pretty cool. Like, that's kind of my natural inclination because I just want to chill. I want to relax. You know, you kind of have your space. I have mine. That's me in my flesh. That's me just kind of my natural approach, right? But as a dad, I read this passage of Scripture, and it really spoke to me of a a different way 
of what love really looks like, that it's not parenting out of convenience. It's not disciplining out of just whatever's convenient to me, but it's actually disciplining out of love. Proverbs 13, 24 says, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. What does that mean? Let me give you an example. My two-year-old knows how to unlock the doors of our house. That's a little bit problematic. Uh, He knows how to unlock the garage door. He knows how to unlock the back door. He knows how to unlock the front door. And he's very adventurous. You know, sometimes you have kids that are a bit more timid, a bit more like, I'm just going to stick by mom and dad. Not this guy. He just just wants to go for it. He wants to love life and live big. And, And so he wants to unlock that front door and take off down the street. We live by a fairly busy street, right? So things could go bad really, really quickly uh, with this in the area of him just taking off. Two years old, right? So if I were to, what this is saying is if I were not to discipline my son to teach him, don't unlock the door, buddy. The fruit of that could be really bad in his life. And if I don't take the time to discipline him, I don't love him. And you would all agree. If I came next week and said, well, I kind of been ignoring discipline my kid over opening the door and he took off and he went out in the street and he got hit by a car. You'd be like, do you love your son? Like what dad lets a two-year-old just kind of roam free in the neighborhood? In the same way, what we're seeing, what this is telling us is that love manifests itself or one aspect of love, God's love, is a discipline. That it's loving to discipline our children, to shape them and to mold them. Now note Hebrews 12.10, back to our original passage, that God not only disciplines us out of love, but he disciplines us for our good. Hebrews 12.10, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. You know that when God disciplines you, it's for your good. If I were to discipline my two-year-old over not opening the door and heading out in the street, ultimately, I am disciplining him for his good. And again, I realize many of us have been disciplined a thousand different ways where it's been very questionable if it was for our good, if disciplined at all. But God disciplines us for our good. He has good things in mind for us. And as parents, when we engage in discipline that's rooted in love, it's for our children's good. It's for their flourishing. That's how we mimic or imitate our Heavenly Father's love. Go on to the next verse. Tells us a little bit more about this love. For, all, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So God's love disciplines us. It disciplines us for our good. And if we're trained by it, it produces a harvest in our life of righteousness and peace. That's something that you want. When we're disciplining our kids, we are letting our love look like God's. We're disciplining them. We're disciplining them for their good. And we're disciplining them with a harvest in mind that we're trying to train and shape and mold arrows to be launched into their destiny in God. We're trying to discipline them, not trying to get something from them or make life easier on us, but we're trying to discipline them with a purpose and a point 
for a harvest of righteousness. So it starts with love. And I talked about last week, how do we build that relationship of love? If you miss that and you're a parent in the room or you're considering foster care or adoption or you're thinking about kind of what that would be like, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it because it lays that foundation in some practical ways. On the foundation of love, when we begin to engage in discipline, part two is we need to know. So we've got love. Second one is we need to know. We need to know our kids. And you can kind of see on the image, I put this medical device. I don't know what it's called. You can tell me later, but where they go in and they scan you and they see the inside. Do you know that not all arrows are the same? They're not all the same. And people aren't the same. And our kids aren't the same. I've got three on the way to four and every one of my children is different. They have different strengths. They have different temperaments. They have different weaknesses and temptations. And as a father and my wife as a mother, part of our role is to be a student of our children and to know them and to know their strengths and to know their weaknesses and to know where the places in their life where these arrows need to be shaped. Now, in that knowing, I want you to know that God doesn't just look at externals, but God looks at the heart. This is one of the primary differences between the Christian gospel and traditional religion. Traditional religion focuses on behavior modification. Here are the rules, stick to them, you're good to go. The Christian gospel actually speaks to something much deeper. It speaks to our hearts. It looks at what's in our hearts and brings about transformation, not behavior modification, but personal transformation by getting to us right here, by getting to the root of the problem. And as parents, we need to do the same. We need to know our children's hearts. We need to know what's going on on the inside. Look at James 4. It speaks about this. It says, what, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? that your passions are at war within you. So notice what he's saying, that there's fighting going on. And if you're a parent and you have multiple kids, you know your kids are going to fight, right? There's fighting going on. There's quarrels. There's bickering. There's fighting. And James is saying that it's not the surface that's causing, that, that's, that's to be dealt with. Why are they fighting? Because there's stuff going on on the inside of them. There's selfishness or there's greed or there's pride, or there's evil desires that are going on right here. And the way that God disciplines us, the way that God works with us is he deals with our hearts. He deals with our minds. He deals with the inside of us. He deals with the roots so that there can be good fruit. If you're new to Christianity or you're just exploring the faith, this is a really important point to focus in. You might have heard that Christianity is a bunch of rules. You might have heard that it's a philosophy. You might have heard all sorts of things. You might have heard it's a political agenda. It may touch on all those things, but at the center is that God is pursuing us in Jesus, and he's wanting to transform us from the inside out to renew us, to heal us, and to make us whole. And this is the shape, our parenting, and our discipline that we are to discipline in the same way to target the heart. And as we target the heart, the fruit which matters will be transformed. So how in the world do you do that, Zach? How in the world do you target the heart? I'm going to give you some questions that you can write down and you can use. Maybe some of you will use them this afternoon at lunch with your kids. Uh, maybe for some of you, it'll be a while. Maybe for some of you, this will be really helpful for you in your own discipleship to Jesus. Okay? So first question, when there's an area where the arrow needs to be shaped, right, is what happened? 
You want to know what, what happened, right? Kids come in from fighting in the other room. You hear them yelling in the bathroom or going at it. Maybe that happens at your house, never happens at mine. Uh, but let's just say I heard about a friend who this happened to. Uh, that's me, right? This is uh, just this week. Uh, kids come in. You know, one kid's very upset with the, other, with the other sibling. You know, they took my hairbrush. They took my toothbrush. They always do this stuff. They, they, so I told them, you know, they're just worked up, right? So the first thing that you want to do is you want to help your child recount what happened. You want them to explain it. And not in the tone of voice of like, what happened in there? That's called shutting things down, right? But what you're trying to do is build open lines of communication. And you're trying to teach your kids to be reflective, to be people that think about what's going on in their life. And you're not just training them for when they're two or they're 12, but you're training them for when they're 22 and 42 and 62 and 82. And you're giving them a tool right now that will help them in life, being reflective. So, well, she took my hairbrush and she took my toothbrush and she always does that and it's so frustrating. And so I told her, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Okay. So they recount what's going on. And again, this is really important because when your children are small, it's going to be issues like they took your toothbrush. As they get bigger, your kids are probably going to have bigger issues going on. And you don't want them to need to go to the dark corners of the internet or the dark corners of some high school locker room to try and process what's happening. You want them to be able to come to mom and dad. And so if you're a rager dad and you're, you, know, you tend to blow up at your kids... You need to deal with this. And you need to get yourself in a place where your kids feel open with telling you kind of when they really screwed up. And if your mom that gets anxious and worried and kind of, you know, wants to control and whatnot, let's deal with that so that you can build the type of open relationship that when they're 13 or 14 or 23 or 24 or so on and so forth, that you're a place that they can come to rather than run from, right? So we're building that relationship we're asking them what happened. Then we're going to ask them, when that happened, what were you thinking or what were you feeling? Now think about that. When we ask that question, what we're teaching our children is to look beneath the surface. We're teaching them to look. We're discipling them. We're teaching them to look the way that God sees. And some of your kids are thinkers and some of your kids are feelers and some of them are in between and some of them, who knows, right? Any given day, they could change. So you ask the question and you get something like this. Well, I was just really frustrated. And she, I just, she just annoys me. I'm just so frustrated, Dad. Or I, I just, I don't know, I just wanted that toy, and so I just did it. Or, um, you know, I felt, Dad, I, I felt kind of insecure, and I felt embarrassed, and so I just acted that way to try and, like, get the attention off me. Whatever. They'll say stuff, and sometimes they'll be like, uh. <laughs> That's okay. Remember, we're training them for life, right? <laughs> so it's not going to be all, just, just, it's not all, like, you know, ESPN highlight reel as a parent. It's not a lot. Um, but as they, as they start to share that, then you're getting to the heart and you're understanding what's going on, right? And there we're kind of getting to the Jesus uh, digging in right here. Then you want to ask them, how did that response work out for you? So you were frustrated. So you decided to tell your sister, blah, 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 blah. How'd that work out? Well, not good. You know, I'm in here. I might get spanking. You know, I'm having to talk to you. Right. You know the deal. Okay. Well, great. So let's talk about maybe a different way to go so you get a different, different fruit. Right? So you're giving them a process 
And you see, oh man, I'm 37. If I would use this with myself, that would be very helpful. You're discipling them at a young age. So next comes speaking, okay? So you've gotten to the heart, you've diagnosed what's really going on, and now is the opportunity, the responsibility, the calling to speak, to speak the truth in love, to help shape these arrows. So how do you do that? And this is one of the most amazing places where we can exhibit the grace of God in these conversations. You see, you're not raising moralists where you're just giving them an agenda to get in line. You're raising kids to see and savor Jesus and to know him and to be empowered by his grace to live out this new life, okay? So how do we do that? Number one, you wanna help your kid see and savor God's holy standard. So I have one child that has no qualms about lying, just will lie as the day is long. If they think they're going to get in trouble, oh man, either they're going to get in trouble or they want to report that they did something good. You know, I scored however many goals at this sporting event when they didn't score any. I mean, they just, they'll just lie just like it's their, their native tongue. It's startling to uh, my wife and I. So you know your kids, you know their weaknesses, you know, man, I need to work on this lying deal with them. I need to shape this arrow. So how do you help them see and savor God's holy standard? So they've come back from something, you've gotten to the issue that they lied, right? And so you're trying to help them see God's ways, okay? And this is going to cause you as a parent to grow spiritually. Parenting has been one of the things in my life that has grown me spiritually uh, as much as anything, because you're trying to teach your, your kids. And so we're working on, okay, where in the Bible does it talk about lying? And we're, we're going through that and we're helping them see, right? So we go, we show them scriptures about lying, that God's standard is here and that lying is not a part of that. But we don't only want to help them see God's standard, we want to help them savor God's standard. How do we do that? Well, we show them what happens when we don't live that way. So great example. Okay, buddy. Well, what happens when we lie? I don't know, dad. You get, you know, I end up talking to you about this stuff. Like, well, let me give you an example. You've been wanting a puppy. Hey, tomorrow we can go and get that puppy. We can go and get the puppy you've been begging me to get for the last six months. Let's go tomorrow. Really, dad? Sure. And I come around tomorrow. I mean, I said, what if I came around tomorrow after telling you that? And I said, oh, we're not getting that puppy. I lied to you. What would you do? Oh, dad, I'd be so mad. I'd punch you. <laughs> real life. Real, I mean, a real talk here. Okay. So talk to me about our relationship. What would it be like if I lied to you all the time? Well, it wouldn't be good. I wouldn't like you. What would you think about our family if we all lied to each other all the time? Would we have good relationships? No. What about your friends? Could you be good friends with someone who just lied to you all the time? No. Okay, so when God is laying out his holy standard that we shouldn't lie, why is he doing that? Because lying destroys relationship. And you can see, wow, if we'll be trained by God's standard, we'll be able to build meaningful relationship with God and with others. And your child will start to savor the goodness of God's plan, not just to know it, but to be like, man, that actually is good, wise, and loving, and their hearts will be moved. So step two then, after acknowledging that, is you want to help your child take responsibility. I have another child that will shirk responsibility over sin 
as long as they have an opportunity to. So we spend a lot of time going through, take the lying example. Okay, will you take responsibility for lying? No, dad, they did this. No, 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 buddy. Right? At the end of the day, you're the one that lied. You need to take responsibility because we can't access the grace of God apart from taking responsibility for our sin. We can't give our sin to Jesus if we won't take responsibility for it. So helping the child come to grips with the fact that they're a sinner. And that's actually a really kind thing to do. So we work on that. We talk about confession. Then we move to pointing them to Jesus. Buddy, you know what? For sinners like you and me, for people that lie and do those type of things, it's really good news that we don't have to fix ourselves on our own. But we have Jesus who loves us, even in our lying. And he came for us, and he has grace for us to transform us and to heal us and to make us new people. And so we can come to Jesus, and we can give him this lying and receive his forgiveness. And you see what I'm doing here? I'm leading my child to know and love and honor and lean into Jesus. And not just when they're, not just when they're seven. I might can do it with, oh, there we go. Not just when they're 17, but that's the foundation that we're laying. And we're not teaching our kids to be moralists who just try and obey the rules with all their might, but don't have any power. When we lead them to Jesus, there's power for change. Then the fourth point is we point them to what this new life looks like. And again, if you know your kids, you'll learn their issues. You'll learn their, their, the places where the arrow needs to be healed. And so we'll go to the scriptures and we'll show them again and again. We have a handful, a couple scriptures. We have one on complaining, right, that applies to mom and dad as well as our kids. We have one on lying. We have one on honor. We have one on love. And, man, we review these scriptures because our kids need it simple, just like you and I do. They need repetition for, oh, this is what the grace of God at work in my life looks like. This is what the new family of Jesus looks like. And we've spoken and we, we've helped shape the arrow. So we move from knowing and speaking to doing, right? It's not just about talk, but we want to give action to help our children. And when you're thinking about action, you want to think in two categories. And man, we could spend hours on this. But you want to think in terms of weeding. There are things that you're trying to weed out of their life. And there are things you're trying to plant in their life. And so your action, your doing may take the form of, man, I'm really trying to weed out this type of decision, this type of response. I'm trying to weed out my child throwing their fork, you know, at their sibling, right? I'm trying to weed that out. There are other things that you're trying to plant. I'm trying to plant a generous heart in my kids, right? So then that may involve, well, we're going we're gonna to give them some money and we're going to teach them how to give, or we're going to go down to Austin Street and we're going to serve food for the homeless. Or we're going to do some things to cultivate generosity. It's weeding and it's planting. And honestly, I could go on for a long time about that. But what you've got here, love, know, speak, do, that framework will provide incredible mileage for you and me as adults. If we'll process our own stuff like this, incredible mileage. And it'll let us discipline and shape our kids like arrows in the way that God disciplines us as a part of God's good, wise, and loving plan for our family, for our parents, and for us. And with that, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to close. We're going to close with worship and prayer. Jesus, we love you. 
We honor you in this place. Thank you that you have a good, wise, and loving plan for our families, whatever season of life that we're in, for our parenting, for our marriage, for our kids. God, thank you that, uh, that you, Jesus, are what God looks like. God, that when we see you, that we have seen the Father and we receive your love we receive your discipline and we receive your goodness today. And I pray that as a community that we would be reoriented around these things, that we wouldn't parent and we wouldn't do family out of the pain of our past, out of our personal preferences, out of pop culture, Lord, but that we really would be renewed in the goodness and the grace of who you are and that we would reflect that in our families, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that encouraged you. I hope that you're convinced that God has a good, wise, and loving plan for your family. I hope you're encouraged to pursue that, and I hope you feel equipped to do that. If this message spoke to you, if God's doing something in your life, I'd love for you to send us an email and let us know. You can do that by just hitting reply on any of the emails you get from us. Wait, what's that? You don't get emails from us. Oh, man, why don't you go to our website and you can sign up for our community newsletter. Once a week, you'll get updates on what's going on, what God is doing in our midst, and we would love for you to be a part. Uh, if you've enjoyed this series of podcasts, I'd love for you to go on iTunes and leave a review. It helps other people find out uh, about this stuff. Love you guys, and we'll see you next week.